0: Hello and welcome to the Church 860 podcast. My name is Pastor Chris and I'm the lead pastor of Church 860 located in Westerville, Ohio. Our podcast will have daily episodes uploaded where we have curated some of the best Bible teaching from across the globe. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, I do thank you and praise you that uh, you are an awesome God. And that we can know the simplicity of, yes, Jesus loves me because the Bible tells me so. Father, I pray that we'd have just a childlike faith to understand that you can do things so much better than we could ever do ourselves. Father, I thank you. I praise you. I give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We do have a communion at the end of the service today. And uh, that is a very important time in a Christian's life to commune with, a common union with you and Christ, to partake of his body and his blood and to become one with God. It, it's, it's a pretty cool concept. And uh, uh, we want to be able to do that with a sense of reverence, if we would. And, and we need to remember we're looking now uh, in Kings uh, at a time when we're looking at about, 900 B.C., how's that? 800 B.C., in that area. And we're looking at a succession of kings, and these kings were, were wrestling with, 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 with false prophets that came into the, the, the kingdom and were seducing, seducing the nation and kings away from the one true God, the God of Israel, Jehovah, and was coming up with these other gods, the gods of Baal, how's that? B-A-A-L however you want to pronounce it. And and the idea is is that there was a a war going on, and God is now trying to show himself through his prophets, the true prophets of God, Elijah, Elisha. And and we're watching the the spirit of God being poured out to come against the Jezebel and the Ahab. And when we watch sin come into the camp, and, and sin come into a kingdom It wreaks uh, 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 destruction wherever it goes. Sin always does. When it comes into your life, it will destroy you. And, and, and we watched it come into Israel, and Israel is now stuck in the middle of a huge famine, uh, a famine of there's no food. People are starving. And we watched an expression come up last week that showed us where we were. It says in second Kings chapter six. Verse 25, And there was a great famine in Samaria, and indeed they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and one-fourth of a cob of dove droppings for five shekels of silver. So we hear those as an expression of, this is how bad it is. We said, you know, gas is going up, it's going up to $20 a gallon. Whoa, that's insane. And what you're hearing is, is like the idea is, is if you killed an animal and, and you wanted to eat it, you'd take the head and throw it away. It, it's garbage. And here you're taking a a, a donkey. You're going to kill them and cut them up and take all the meat off of them. And you got to take that head and say, don't throw that head away, buddy. I can boil it. I can make a stew out of it. I can still use it. I, I got suck the protein out of that thing. I'll give you eighty shekels for that uh, head of the the, the a uh, 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 donkey. Ugh. You got to pay for that. I throw it away. Same thing with a, a cob of doves' dung. What do you got to do with doves' dung? Well, you can burn it. You can make fuel. You can boil water with it. You want a handful of doves' dung? Don't throw that stuff away. That, that, that's worth five shekels of silver. Wow. You guys are scraping pretty low bottom to take everything you can and not waste it because. Everything is precious because of the famine in the land. Now, here comes Elijah, okay, in uh 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 1. And he's gonna say, Hey, I recognize that people are starving to death, and God needs to move to take care of some of the, the physical needs in our life. And he says, Hear the, the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord. I love that expression. And he says, here's something very specific. Tomorrow, about this time, a seah of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel, one. And two seahs, or sacks of barley, if you would, for one shekel at the gate of Samaria. And and you gotta love this. Elijah is coming in, and, and, and he's speaking very specifically. You gotta hear that. Now, my son would say that sometimes we Christians don't live in reality. You know, Dad, you're talking about all this Jesus stuff and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, well, there's real needs, real people, and real issues. And I think you're looking at here a very clear case where God looks at the very specific need in your life, and he says, I want to address that. I want to take care of it. And, and, and you know, I, I think God's based in reality. And I think when you watch here, as far as a prophecy goes you got to love this. He's very specific on the when, the where, and the how. He's telling you, he's saying, tomorrow at the gate of Samaria, this is what this will sell, and this is what's going to happen. He's putting a time frame on it. Now, if any of you guys have been around the block in churches, sometimes you go to a Pentecostal church. And sometimes in a Pentecostal church, they're not saying this is the word of God so much. They're saying, thus says the Lord, thus says the Lord, thus says the Lord, thus says the Lord, thus says the Lord. And you find out that if you're a prophet, it's a lot easier to give a generic prophecy than it is to give a specific. The more specifics you have, the more you're being tied down to a point. So a good Pentecostal would say, thus says the Lord, God's going to take care of the famine. When? Six years from now, eight years from now, 20 years from now. When we're all dead and we're in heaven, we won't have to worry about eating, okay? It's done. I'm not a false prophet. I'm just very general and vague. And notice what he says here. He says says the when, the where, and the how. He says says, uh, tomorrow, tomorrow, 24 hours from now, this is what's going to happen. Now, the more you qualify something like that, the more the neck goes in the noose. The more room for error. Well, what if it takes three days, Dave? Was he wrong? Yeah, he said tomorrow. He says, tomorrow about this time, a seah of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel and two saias of barley or two sacks of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. Now, you know, people hear these things and we talk about what the Lord's going to do. The Lord told me. When you say things like that out there, People look at you and go, God talked to you? What are you, one of them weirdos? If that's weird, I'm one of them weirdos. And you know what God told me? Blah, 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 blah. And he's told me some very specific things in my life and at very specific times. And it was very healing and therapeutic. All the, all the words are for edification, building up of the body. You don't want to go up and say, thus says the Lord. God sees your sin and he's going to destroy you. You've got, you've got, Herpes and AIDS and everything else coming at you, you wicked scumbag. That's not, thus says the Lord kind of stuff. It's not edifying. It maybe, maybe it will save the guy's life. But you know, you get your skeptics, don't you? So as, as, as Elijah's there prophesying and saying wonderful things in front of everybody, it says, so an officer, ooh, on whose hand the king leaned, answered the man of God. So he's a guy, as the king's sitting there, and the king wants to go and say, what the heck? And this is, you know, part of the furniture type guy. He's sitting there. He's listening to this. I'm a, a bodyguard. I don't know somebody of the king. And he turns around and says, look, dude, you're way out in the space. He says, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And he, Elisha, said, In fact, you're you're questioning me? I'll tell you what's going to happen. In fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. How's that? Don't you dare question a man of God when the man of God is on the job. Reminds me of another story. You guys ever hear the story of uh, 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 Elizabeth and uh, Zechariah? They were the parents of soon-to-be John the Baptist. And so Zechariah had to pull his duty and go into the temple. And as he walks into the temple, I don't know, he's moving the firewood around or doing certain things. He sees an angel. <gasps> Who would ever think of seeing an angel in the temple? Shocking. And the angel comes up to him and he says, "John or Zechariah, you're going to bear forth a child. Now his wife was old. And he had a very, what do you mean I'm going to have a child? Dude, you're way off angel. And the angel's like, don't you dare question me. Bam, shut his mouth up, muted, muted him, right? Couldn't say a word. So here he is. He walks out of the temple. He's going to have a son. He's going to have a child. It's going to be of God. This is a miracle. What's the first thing you want to tell everybody you know? And he comes out of the temple. <laughs> You know, he's robbed of the very joy, the, the, the proudest part of being a dad. Hey, guess what? My wife's having a baby and, you know, woo And he missed that because he showed doubt to the angel. And the angel's like, you don't doubt me. How dare you question? This is the word of God coming at you. I don't believe it was Gabriel. It was another angel, though. And, and he goes, shut up. You're not going to say a word till the child is born? They're going to say, what's his name? And he writes it down, his name is John. And as soon as he says his name is John, bam, he opens up his mouth and he can talk. And, and, and there's a, a penalty for questioning God. Uh, What do you mean? Shut! uh, What do you mean? We're only selling bread tomorrow for a sailor for a shit. Come on, a sack of flour tomorrow? Impossible. You couldn't get you couldn't get enough bread down here to get those prices to come down. If if the if the floodgates of heaven were opened and we're all swimming in flour, the prices wouldn't come down to what you're saying. You're delirious. And Elijah says, "You know what? You're going to look at it. You're going to see it. You're going to know it to be true, and you ain't going to get a bite of it." Wow, I, I'd hate God to say that to me. Now, this is how it all comes about. Weird story, okay? I didn't write it, I'm just reading it. Verse 3. Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate, and they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? So we, we know that leprosy is highly contagious, Right? And it's a a, a, a sign that, that that you're losing your sensitivity, right? And if we're leprous uh, to, to sin we're we're not sensitive to sin and the damage it can do, it can kill us. And so what they do with lepers is they, they put them and they throw them outside the gate. You're not welcome in town. You can beg, beg over there, and even if the leper had money, nobody would even accept the cash from the money because because it could have leprosy on it, and I'm not taking a quarter from the guy because I could die from it. It could kill me. So these four of these guys are sitting outside, and they're like, you know, we're not in a very good situation here. Uh, we're kicked out of a city that's starving to death. Hmm. And so they ask the question, why are we sitting here until we die? That's all that's going to happen. If we say we're going to enter the city, verse 4, well, the famine's in the city, and guess what? We shall die there. So if they finally let us in, what do we do? Go party with them and all starve to death and watch our ribs cave through our chest, you know? We're all dead. He goes, uh, uh, and if we sit here, we're going to die as well. Nobody's throwing us a scrap of bread. Guess who's the last guy in the bread line? The lepers. (laughs) And if we sit here, we die also. Now, therefore, this is the conclusion. Come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. Can't be that bad, right? If they keep us alive, well, we're going to live. And if they kill us, we're only uh, we shall only die. That's I got death, 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 and we could try the Syrians. What what are they going to do? Kill us? What we'll do? We're dead any which way we turn. And and sometimes that's that's a a sense of logic that that you know we use to say. Hey, you know, you're living your life. Where, where are you going? What, what, what are you trying to do? You're going to live for another 100 years? What are you going to get out of that? You're going to be dead the same as everyone else. Yeah. 100 out of 100 people die. We all do. And, 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 and they're finally putting the logic to it, says, Why not try? And sometimes you say, Why don't you give Christ a, a, a chance in your life? Why not accept them into your life? Oh, no, I would never do anything stupid like that. That's for morons, you know. Well, what else do you got? You got anything better? No. You're going to die, right? Yeah. Well, why not die in Christ? Gee whiz. If I'm, if I'm dead and I'm raising, pushing up daisies, you know, I'm doing the same thing you're going to be doing. I'm doing the same thing I'd be doing if there was no Christ. So sometimes there's a little bit of wisdom there. And they they rose at twilight to go into the camp. of Tinkle, tinkle, run over there. And when they'd come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, verse 5, to their surprise, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses, the noise of a great army, so that they said to one another, "Look, oh, oh, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us." Therefore, they arose and they fled at twilight, and the camp, uh, and left the camp intact, their tents, their horses, their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. Now, you know, isn't that a weird miracle? Uh, let's just, you know, in the you know annals of God's great miracles. Who would have ever thought? Okay, you're starving to death. You got a, a, a hundred thousand uh, uh, Syrians, you know, packed uh, outside your, your gate, and and who'd say, God, won't you have some noise? Won't you make a big noise and, and sound like you know a huge army's out there and have these guys run like chickens from it? <gasps> what is that? that? We're all gonna die. Run! And they leave everything perfectly intact. Wow. Now, I don't know about you. That's what they call in the Bible a? Mirror. Thank you. You're getting the hang of this thing. And, and I don't know about you, but I could have sat there in, inside of Jerusalem for a thousand years and never once even came up with that concept. God, why don't you just sound like a big army and scare these boogers off? <laughs> Think outside the box a little bit. God's much bigger. He's seeing so many other big things. He says, oh, this is no big deal. You want me to get rid of 100,000 Syrians? Watch this. Ah, they'll run. God's like, that was no big trick. Can God make noise? Gee, I guess if He raised the dead, he can do anything. And 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 it, to me, it's not that big of a whip of a miracle. But they come in and everything is this way. And it says verse eight, and when these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into one tent, they ate and drank and carried from it silver and gold and clothing, they went and they hid them. Then they came back and they entered another tent and carried some, uh, some from there also, and they went and hid it. Now isn't that amazing? The first reaction is to like, be a squirrel. I want to go in there, eat, drink and whatever, but I'm going to take the gold and go hide it. I, I need to bury something around. And, and I don't want anyone else to know this is my little secret stash. Just in case some things go bad, I know where some gold is. I don't know what's going to happen here. Maybe they're all going to come back and kill us all. But I got me a little secret stash. And we love to do that, don't we? We want to stash things aside. And, 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 and here, you know, they're going to look at this. And they said to one another, man, we're not doing right. Wow. This hiding stuff and squirreling stuff away, We're not, we are not doing right. This day is a day of good news, and we remain silent. We got a whole bunch of starving friends inside of Jerusalem. If we wait until morning light, some punishment will come upon us. Now, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. We need to go and, and report this to the other people. He can't keep it all to herself. He can't stash it all away. So they went and they called to the gatekeepers of the city and told them, saying, We went to the Sumerian camp, and surprisingly, no one was there. Not a human sound, only horses and donkeys tied and the tents intact. And the gatekeepers called out, and they told it to the king's household inside. So the king arose in the night and said to his servants, Let me now tell you what the Syrians have done to us. They know that we are hungry. Therefore, they have gone out of the camp to hide themselves in the field, saying, When they come out of the city, we shall catch them alive and get into the city. So the king comes out, he hears all this news. The Syrians have left, and there's a whole bunch of stuff sitting out there in the field. And you know what he thinks? It's a trap. And and, you know, we tell people, you know, here's Jesus Christ, he died for you. And as he died for you, he 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 was his blood was shed so that your blood would not be having to, and then therefore you can have eternal life. You know what people say? That's a lie. That 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 doesn't make sense to me. It's a trap. You just want me to go to your church. If I go to your church, your pastor's gonna sit down and play the old, you know, please I need money, please 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 please. He's gonna soak me dry for every dime I've got. He's gonna leave me. I went to your church, took my cigarettes away, money away, and they left me with nothing. Wow, isn't that sad? Nobody wants to be that way. Nobody's trying to take things. It's not a trap. And one of his servants answered, and they said, Please, let several men take five of the remaining horses which are left in the city. Look, they may either become like all the multitude of Israel that are left in it, starving to death, or, indeed, I say they may become like all the multitude of Israel left from those who are consumed. So let us and see. Take five horses, king. Risk a little bit. Go out there and let them, you know, see what's happening. And if they confirm the story of the lepers, okay, let's go check it out. What do we got to do? Watch our horses. starve to death here. Therefore, they took two chariots with horses, and the king sent them in the direction of the Syrian army, saying, Go and see. Get out there and go look around. And they went after them to the Jordan. Indeed, all the road was full of garments and weapons, which the Syrians had thrown down in their haste. So the messengers returned and told the king. So their weapons, their swords are on the ground. It's not going to be a trap, because uh, if, if that was the case, they wouldn't throw their swords away. And the people went out and plundered the tents of the Syrians. So a sayah, a fine flour, was sold for a shekel, and two sayahs of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. You know, isn't that amazing? God's word is always right. Mm-hmm. Something to throw off at the side. And now the king had appointed the, the officer on whose hand he leaned to have charge of the gate. But the people trampled him in the gate. Worse than an English soccer match, right? And he died just as the man of God had said, who spoke when the king came down to him. So it happened just as the man of God had spoken to the king, saying, Two says of barley for a shekel and a, a fine flour for a shekel shall be sold tomorrow about this time at the gate of Samaria. And then that officer, to answer the man of God, said, Now look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, such a thing could, uh, uh, could such a thing be? And he said that, In fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. So it happened to him, for the people trampled him in the gate, and he died. He saw it happen, couldn't eat a bite of it, was trampled to death. And, you know, there's a lot we talk about in Christianity where people just have the tendency to scoff at. Now, we at Calvary Chapel are very strong, ardent supporters of this thing called a pre-tribulation rapture. OK, now, you know, a few years ago, five, ten years ago, it was coming back into popularity. A little bit. And uh, it's now uh, evaded that. And if you say that you believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, then, uh, uh, you know, you're loco loony and, and way off the charts. And just in a, in a nutshell, trying to make sense of that. We believe that there is going to be a seven year tribulation period. And in that seven years, God is going to work again, specifically with the nation of Israel. Uh, we believe that uh, uh, God has made many promises to Israel in the Old <coughs> Testament, those have been fulfilled. And if they go into eternity not being fulfilled, our God that we worship in the New Testament, which is based upon the promises of the Old Testament, if God's a liar in the Old Testament, we can't believe him for anything in the New. So God's got to make that right. He's got to deal with the nation of Israel. You're going to see the 144,000 Jews being brought back. You're going to see a lot of things start to happen. And the angel, uh, uh, the, the 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 eagles fly through the heavens, and they're going to proclaim the gospel. The gospel during the seven-year tribulation is not going to be except Jesus Christ, and your sins will be forgiven. That's the gospel in our generation or dispensation, our time. But during the tribulation period, the gospel is: do not receive the mark of the beast. If you get that little tattoo on your arm. Or on your forehead, and you're saying, now I've taken 666, put it on my head. Then you're one of the devil's own, and you're not going to go to heaven. Now, during the tribulation period, uh, you can refuse the mark of the beast. You can't buy or sell without the mark of the beast. And if you do not take it, you're going to be guillotined and having head removed. And then you get to go to heaven. So if you want to go to heaven, and you missed the rapture of the church... And we believe the rapture is God taking the church, those that believe in the grace of Jesus Christ and have their sins forgiven, you and I, are going to be caught up to heaven all at once. And we believe that this will be a rather huge, uh, monumentous event in the history of the world. And that takes us out of here. And we're out of here because we're no longer effective. Doesn't mean we're wrong, doesn't mean we're doing anything wrong but the church will no longer be effective. I believe I'll sit down if it's the end days and I'll say, everybody tomorrow at noon, come on over here, I'm gonna take 41 South High, the big uh, building downtown, looks like a Hershey bar with a bite taken out of it. I'm gonna take, take 41 South High and I'm gonna levitate that 1,000 feet into the sky and then I'm gonna flip it over, upside down, backwards and I'm gonna put it right back down in this place and you're not even gonna see a crack on where it was taken apart. Really? Now watch. Get your cameras out. It's going to be there. I'm going to do this. Thus says the Lord. And whoo, put it all back down. People are going to go, whoa, that was impressive. But I've seen like David Copperfield do pretty much the same thing. It's how smart whoop de Whoop-dee-doo. Now at that point, if I've been successful on levitating the building, <coughs> ripping it, twisting it, and then putting it back down, and it doesn't convert one person to Christ, I'm useless. I just gave you everything in the bag. Everything I've got, buddy, is right there. You're not going to get a better thing out of Dave Brown than me picking up a building, levitating it, and putting it back down. And if people, and it's got to be true, they don't care. They don't care. How do you get to be the guy at Lazarus' funeral? He's been dead four days, he's in the tomb. You're there crying because your friend Lazarus is dead. This guy, Jesus, comes up, and he says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus comes up out of the grave, and he's resurrected. And your reaction is not, praise God, Lazarus, back. Whoa, this is a miracle. Whoa, thank you, Jesus, right? No. That scumbag, Jesus, brought Lazarus back. I'm going back to Jerusalem. I'm going to talk to the Pharisees, and we're going to kill this guy, Jesus. Jesus. Weren't you just here at the funeral of Lazarus because you cared about him? Four days later. And that's the reaction, and that's the reaction of men. Jesus came into Jerusalem. You know, Hosanna, save us, save us, save us. And then on Friday morning, it's crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Wow. And, and, and people can be so fickle. We can be so fickle. And, and, and we can switch our minds in, at the drop. But you know, we believe if we tell so many people, you know, Jesus Christ is coming again. You know that Jesus Christ is the only prophet, if you want to call him that, that's ever said he's coming back? Nobody else has ever said that. Go ahead, kill me, I'll be back. Really? It's an interesting question. The prophet Muhammad. Did he ever prophesy one thing? Did he say, on on Tuesday, the yellow bus will be 15 minutes late? Did he say, say, this is what's going to happen in the future? We have pages and pages of written prophecy. (laughs) Prophecy fulfilled and prophecy yet to be fulfilled. And and we watch this and Jesus is sitting down there saying, I'm coming again. And, and, and people look at you like, what are you, stupid? You're going to get raptured? We're all going to just go poof up in smoke? <laughs> and you know what you want to say to them? You're going to see it with your eyes, but you're not going to taste it. Wow. That's hard. How many people are going to be left to go through the tribulation? You know what the gospel is, according to the tribulation? It says that there's two huge eagles that fly through you know, the clouds. And they're proclaiming the eternal gospel. You know what the gospel is in the tribulation period? Yeah, we understand the gospel to be what? If you confess Jesus Christ as Lord, admit that you're a sinner, the blood of Jesus Christ will wash you, and you'll be forgiven of all your sins, and you go to heaven. That's not the gospel. That's not the gospel in the tribulation period. The gospel in the tribulation is, is do not take the mark of the beast or you're dead. Mark of the beast, the old 666 on the hand, the old 666 on the forehead. And guess what? You put 666 on your head because you can't buy, you can't sell, you're going to starve to death. That, And as soon as you put that on, you're Satan's property. Toast. Gone. Out of here. And you go, wow, that's cruel. Now think of that. Okay. I'm in the tribulation period. The Holy Spirit of the church is now gone. You're no longer going to be a spirit-filled, born-again Christian. And you have to now go through seven years and refuse the mark of the beast. And you have to do that. And if you don't take the mark of the beast, you get the guillotine and the head's gone. Right? That's the fact of the matter. So you go, okay, I'm going to have to stand up to the guillotine... I'm not going to take the mark of the beast. I have to do that without the spirit of God in me. Now, I might be able to do that now. I could probably refuse and be guillotined and have my head cut off. But if I do that, it ain't in my strength. It's the power of God in me that's giving me strength to do that. You don't get that added bonus feature in the tribulation period. You've got to gut it out. Suck it up and gut it out. Get your head cut off. You do that in your own strength. Well, if you like, you can get Jesus Christ now and go in the rapture. Who okay. <laughs> and yet, And yet, when we talk about the rapture, what, <coughs> what do you get from people? Fe- uh, fellow Christians. Mm-hmm. Scoffed at? Mm-hmm. Laughed at? Doubting? Oh, you're not that stupid, are you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're one of those stupid, born again Christians that believe that God's going to come back and rapture us all and take it? Yeah, me. Call me loony, I don't care. That's what we believe. We're not being called to be doubting, scoffing, attacking. And it's not our plan to be storing up cans of beans underneath our bed. I might get a few rocks thrown at me for that one. But somehow or another, this is your preparation for the tribulation period is that you need to have some beans underneath your bed. And if you've got a closet full of canned beans, you're doing all right. So, gee, Dave Brown's got a basement full of canned beans. What do you think I'm going to get if the tribulation happens? I'm left behind, and now we're going into a, a mega crisis. First thing I'm buying? Shotgun, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I kill you. You come near my beans. And then what am I going to do? I'm going to sit down and say, Lord, I'm finally here. You know, I lost one of the bean fights, and now I'm the dead one. And I've killed like people, Lord, to keep my beans in place. I wouldn't want to show up before the Lord like that either, you know. And, and you going, know, and, and there's no preparation. There's nothing you can have. The only thing you've got going for you right now is the fact that God loves you. He sent his son Jesus to die for you. And you have an opportunity through communion to sit down and to say, Lord, I want to confess myself as a <laughs> sinner, recognize that I need to be beaten, and recognize that he took that for me. And you can have everlasting life. Your sins are forgiven, and you go into heaven for eternity. Never to face death, never to be tortured, never to be whipped. God God is extending something to you. And and just as the the, the Jews in Jerusalem, just as the king said, Ah, no, that can't happen. It's impossible. They rejected it. They saw it, and they didn't eat of it. And, and, and what I'm offering you is to say, don't reject this. Walk in it, believe it, and partake. Amen? Father, I thank you that we can come before you and praise your name and, and see that you are here today in our midst. Change us, mold us, and shape us. Father, I thank you, I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Church 860 podcast. We hope that you've enjoyed it. If you have, we ask that you would like and subscribe to the podcast so that you can get daily updates. If you'd like to know more about Church 860, please visit church860.com. Thank you. God bless.